Side to row to center. Lundig shoots. He scores! Johnny Lundig does it again! Jarvis in close shot. There's a goal! Seth Jarvis, the 17-year-old. Short side, glove side, high, just under the crossbar. Cutting to the front of the net, and they score. Reese Newkirk along the right wing just took the pass. That was phenomenal patience from Seth Jarvis and the winner. Hey, this is Reese Newkirk, and you're listening to the Pucklandia podcast. Welcome in to Pucklandia. Uh, pleased to be joined by a special co-host, Sean Mullen from Swift Current Saskatchewan, and also Kurt Weaver with the You Can Play Project, the Chief Operations Officer. And uh, we're happy to have you on the show tonight, Kurt. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So this being a Portland Winterhawks-centric podcast, the Winterhawks are hosting their Pride Night this Friday, uh, the, the, the 2nd of February, against the Kelowna Rockets, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, pretty, pretty cool event that they do annually. They, they, they are able to, to, to wear their jerseys, you know, for the duration of the game, and they have, you know, pretty good-looking jerseys again this year. But kind of, so, in, in promotion of, of, of such things and just kind of wanted to have a wide-ranging, you know, what is Pride Night, why do we do it, why do we still need to do it, what are we trying to accomplish, those types of things, and so... You know, I felt that having a representative of the You Can Play project would be, you know, a pretty, pretty valuable you know, conversation to have. So, I guess, sure. Kurt, kind of where where do you want to where do you want to go to to start this thing? No, I, listen, I, I think I'm. I'll, I'll give you a little bit about You Can Play quickly, just to kind of lay the lay the groundwork, and then uh, and we talk about you know the Pride Night itself. But um, I, I'm glad to see they're they're playing the Kelowna Rockets. I got a good friend who lives in Kelowna, so um, hopefully I can uh, I can. Do a little smack talking with him, little uh, little chirping if I can for before the game. But um, so you can play. It's actually turns twelve years old this year, and we got to start within hockey within the NHL. And we launched because, as you can imagine, what locker rooms sound like in 2010, 2011, um, You know, not the most welcoming place for maybe some you know different minority groups, but especially the LGBTQ plus community. And so, as you think about what a hockey locker room sounds like at that time. You know, be it honestly, men's and women's hockey, both. Um, it, it needed some work and some thought around how do we make this place more welcoming? How do we make this sport more inclusive? How do we welcome more people into it? And then really we got launched from that original idea of how do we make sport more inclusive and make it a more welcoming place? And and we've been working with, and, you know, really since our beginning with the NHL, but then we quickly launched into nearly every other sport there was. So NBA, NFL, um, and you know, into things like NASCAR and PGA and uh, and WTA and tennis and everything else. So we we've kind of covered the gamut at this point, um, but, but still, hockey is our is our core sport, and we we love it. Um, and so that's why we love working with teams like the Winterhawks, and and they're doing just a heck of a job of getting things going. So our our work centers around really working with what is the big the big middle, like those people who play hockey and maybe don't care so much about what this you know what a Pride Night means or you know, what these celebration nights, what's what they mean, or, or, you know, just want to enjoy the game. And really, this is where we bring a little bit of awareness, bring some visibility, bring some discussion to the forefront as to what is hockey and what do we want it to be. And in that vein, when we look ahead, who's playing hockey in 5, 10, 20 years? 
And how do we go after those demographics of people and help hockey be the biggest, strongest game it possibly can be? And so really our, our values align with really what is almost any teams, which is we want to make sure hockey is full, full stands, you know, full players on the ice and, you know, lots, lots of people coming to, uh, to watch the game. So our, our excitement to working with the Winterhawks and, you know, and Pride Night really kind of centers around that. And I think the, the Winterhawks do a great job of what they're doing. As you said, I mean, the jerseys are just outright sexy. They're, they kill it every year, but this looking good. Um, I'm so excited to see, uh, see what everything looks like on the ice, but, uh, you'll also see that you can play logo on the, on the rig boards. So if, if you're in the arena, make sure you, uh, get your picture next to the, next to the, you can play logo down there and, uh, and cheer the boys on to victory. Now, progress doesn't happen in a straight line. Uh, you know, we all know that to some degree or another, but we've been seeing, I think, some improvement in, in, in you know, the culture and, and the approach to the community. But last year, uh, specifically, we saw a growth in some pushback uh, stemming around NHL Pride Nights and certain players refusing to participate and what the league went and did by, you know, stopping any specialized jerseys and things of that nature that happened last year. And, you know, a part of a lot of the, the things that are happening within our culture in North America in the last two, three years. How has your job changed as you've been dealing with some of these issues and some of that pushback? Has it changed much? And, and do you feel like, you know, there's a, a different kind of tide you've had to deal with. Yes and no. I think the what what honestly happened in that situation, and in much like in in other sports too. It's not just in hockey, but this happened in other sports. Uh, frankly, right wing groups that are trying to find wedge issues that work politically have found that they can make inroads at some of this kind of stuff. And so those players didn't come up with this on their own. The players who decided to not wear the jersey the first time were prompted by right-wing groups that want to, again, drive wedges. And and I don't blame them. The players got a lot to deal with, got a lot to think about. But certainly it was um, – it's going to be an issue as long as the political landscape looks the way it is. Um, and so I think we probably have at least another year or two of this looking as, as rough sometimes as it, as it has been. But we've not really changed our approach. And the unfortunate thing is that what got overshadowed last year for the NHL and for a lot of the leagues, you know, CHL included – is last year was the best year they've ever had with outreach programs, fundraising, um, support of the community, and everything else. Even with all that going on, even with the news coverage as it was on Pride jerseys and Pride tape and everything else, it was the best year they ever had with advocacy work. And so we expect this year to, again, be the, the, the next, you know, the, the best year we've ever had and even eclipse last year. But unfortunately, the news likes to cover the fantastical thing. I guess what I like to say is 12 years ago when we got started, if one player would have worn a pride jersey on the ice, it would have been an international news story for a month. Now the fact that one player isn't wearing a pride jersey, that's we're getting this much press, that is a massive win for what we're doing. So it, it just shows how far we've come within just a, a decade and how, I guess, how impactful it has been. Uh, again, you know, nobody wants to take a half step back like that. Nobody wants that to happen from, from our perspective, but certainly it, it changed the way we were doing it. Um, it changed what we're doing with the NHL and how that's working. Like no more on ice pre pre match, you know, or play game uh, warm up jerseys is a hit to us because 
all those jerseys got auctioned off and supported local LGBTQ outreach organizations and supported the community, you know, um, doing good with mental health support and otherwise. So that's a hit, and we have to find a new way to get creative on that side of things. But truly, each of the clubs that we're working with, and, and the Winterhawks are a great example of this, are taking steps forward and finding a new way each year to make their work authentic. And again, this is about growing the game and keeping it strong and inviting in new fans and new players and everything else. And I think that's where, if we keep our eye on that, um, and this is not a political issue, this is about making hockey strong and bringing in new people to hockey. So uh, we keep our we keep the focus on that and away from is the distraction type items. You know, it's it's interesting the way we phrase it. You know, I feel like you know that that last response you gave me it almost started referring to it as as you know a political issue as far as you know particular you know white ring right wing groups, but then finishing it with it's not and and and. And, you know, I, I kind of, that's the thing that I push back. I mean, you can't argue with every troll every time, and it's as tempting as it is, but, you know, it's, you know, people say, you know, it's, it's, it's keep politics out of hockey or whatever, and I'm like, or sport in general, and I'm like, well, it can only be political if there's one side of the aisle that doesn't think these people should have the right to exist or to, 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 to be who, who, who they are, and, and, you know, it, politics to me should be you know zoning issues and and, and marginal tax rates not you know should <laughs> should this person get to you know to to live as as the their authentic selves but at least in 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 here in the states i mean it it kind of is that way and so it's you know how to it's it's it, and maybe that's you know one more reason why you know this 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 fight will will continue on for for the for the foreseeable like you mentioned but it's just like it's just a thing I always come back to that people want to refer to as politics as just a way to, to shut it out, but it really shouldn't be, but it kind of is. A hundred percent. I think you, you frame this in the right way. This is a, people are not politics. And so when people say, keep your politics out of my hockey, I'm with you. I don't want to talk about tax rates in hockey. I don't want to talk about policy development. That's not what I, why I love hockey. It's about sport. But I think what they, what they need to think about is, how did you first come to the game? Did you just wander up and, and hopped on a set of, you know, on a patch of ice and start playing the game? Absolutely no. You were invited by somebody along the way. And what Pride Nights are is inviting the LGBTQ community to hockey. It's not saying that no, straight people can't come to Pride Nights. It's not saying that, you know, just because we're making a special invite, it's not for you. It's simply saying that you're getting, we're going to focus on a community that has not been traditionally a hockey community. And we're going to focus on bringing them in and showing them how awesome the sport is. If that's politics, I guess I have a complete misunderstanding of what politics is. Um, and I think that's where it's such an interesting thing to me where, well, what other demographics should we not allow to be in hockey? So, you know, we're doing a huge amount of work right now on growing the women's game. And so women for a long time didn't feel like hockey was their, their place. And it took a lot of work and a lot of focused effort by a lot of people through a lot of years to say, no, 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 here it is. And now we all get to watch this here while the PWHL kicks off and it's packed stadiums. So it's, it took that focused work to get on that. And I think this is the exact same thing to where when we do nights around ethnicity or sexuality, gender identity, or whatever it might be, it's about bringing visibility and saying you're welcome here in hockey where traditionally you've not been. And I think if any, we, we of course get the question, well, when's the straight pride night? Every time we put up a Pride night. And it's like, well, listen, you know, of course, the flippant answer is it's every night that hockey is played, of course. But really what it comes down to is, listen, 
Um, at no point did you feel like hockey was not for you. But I can point out a bunch of people who do feel like hockey is not their sport or they're not welcome in the stands or they're not welcome on the ice. And so we have to make special invites for those communities to welcome them in. And I think that's, again, where the rainbow is one of those things. That's a, that's a start. This is a beginning of the conversation. So what the Winterhawks are doing, you're going to see a lot of visuals, the, the jerseys, everything else. It's a lot of fun. But the, the real work comes in. Are, do they come back the next night to watch the, you know, the non-theme night game? And that's when we know we're doing a good job, when they become a hockey fan. And that's, again, what's going to lead the way. It's about the sport is still leading the way. Once we, once we get them in the building, we've got to keep them in the building and make them you know, fans for life, participants for life. And, again, I think that's why when, when the Winterhawks do this kind of work, you see them doing it in a great way and lasting past that first, that first Pride Night. Well, and, and when you say that, you know, uh, what's the evidence that, that uh, this group of people don't feel like they are, belong or, you know, don't feel like they might belong or are welcomed in the sport? I mean, just look at the fact that there hasn't been an openly gay player in the National Hockey League yet. And Luke Prokop is probably on the path to getting there, hopefully. You know, he's a very talented young player and brave for taking that step. But when we know the percentage of the population of people that are a part of the community, and yet none uh, have openly played in the National Hockey League, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? And so... This is a step that hopefully will make more and more people welcome to be themselves. Because I'm sure there are there have been some who aren't open who've played. But once that starts to happen and events like what you're doing continue to happen, I mean, I would have to think a big part of the hope, yes, is is for building the the fan support, but also for you know people who are openly gay to feel comfortable playing the sport and coaching in the sport and working in the sport and everything of that nature. A hundred percent. And it's well said. And when we talk to players, there are absolutely players in the NHL and every pro league there is that are members of the LGBTQ plus community, but are not out. And and that, that could be because they don't want to be out, right? That could be a choice they're making. But I can also tell you that there's a hesitation because do I lose uh, endorsements? Do I get the next contract? Am I played less? Absolutely, those questions are still there. And if, if those questions exist, it tells you where the state of the game is with that community. Because if the question is there and it's not 100%, oh, that wouldn't matter at all, or it would, it would benefit you. Until that is the statement made, you know, when the question gets asked, um, our work's not done. And so I, I think it's a, it's a consideration, absolutely. And I think we have to look at it realistically to say, what, you know, how, how are we doing in this? Um, and I, I think it's, uh, how how are we on language? Are we uh, are we a, a, are we allowed to share some rough language on here uh, for yeah. podcast time? I'm not going to tell you what to do. <laughs> so I'll I'll use because I, I'm not going to use homophobic language, but I'll use the word pussy. How many times do we hear that in hockey, on the ice, in practice, in our chirping, in our banter? Well, when we think about who that impacts, what that word means, and why we're using it, does it have anything to do with hockey? Is it hockey language? No, it's smack talk. It's chirping. And when we think about could we use words that maybe aren't going to impact a demographic of people in a way that that I don't hear it the same way. You don't hear it the same way. But there's a big chunk of people who do hear it that way. If we continually went at somebody with a, you know, a characteristic about them or the way they dressed or their hair color or otherwise, they're going to leave hockey because they're not going to stick around and wait to see if you will change. 
And I think that's what really this, this awareness is about is have we ever thought about what it sounds like when we're talking on the away trip, when we're sitting with our buddies in the stands watching the game? Have we thought about the way that we're smack talking the other team or, you know, you guys were talking about before the thing kicked off, like, Hey, we got, you know, football coming up and a little bit of smack talk back and forth. How do we, what does that sound like when we do it? Well, unfortunately, a lot of times it falls into homophobic language. And so if that's the case, and that's what we're doing every time we're talking some smack around the sport, those individuals who are impacted by that are not going to show up. Just like if we keep making fun of people with red hair, they're not going to come out and watch hockey. And we can't expect them to until we clean that up and we make a different choice. So I think, again, that's where the, that's a small example of what this work looks like in the longer term to then just bring attention to it and say, hey, have we ever thought about this? Maybe why they're not feeling comfortable, why they're not showing up to hockey to play or to, to watch. And I think that's where the work gets done, again, across the year. And that's, again, why I say this is not about, you know, exactly like you said, the politics of it. This is about people and how they're treated. And if we want, if we want more customers, we treat our customers well. And I think that's exactly what we're asking teams to take the lead on and then eventually the entire sport population. You know, yeah, that's that's a pretty good pretty good example there, you know, of like and and I've personally have had to, you know, over the years tried to change some of the language I use and and that's, you know, that's a, that that you use a word that that I still use and I use more than I should. And, you know, it's a thing I got to I got to think about, but there's other other words I have walked away from and tried to 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 moderate myself and try to continue to evolve, but you know, it's mm-hmm. a thing, and, and I use the example all the time. I'm like, look, you know, there's a million words in the English language I can use to put somebody down. I don't, I can stay away from like two or three of them at least. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. some really good banter out there. Stick I, to that. <laughs> I, I can challenge your toughness and challenge your character in many ways without having to resort to, you know, particular words. And it's, you know, and so you can, you can go around that. I, I can, I can say that this thing over here sucks because x y and z without having to to say that oh that's gay or whatever you know what i mean so it's it's a thing that exactly that we can all you know learn and continue to evolve and and, and try to be better and you know if you've we've you've, you've kind of exposed it's you know me personally i've got i've got work to do like like all of us and listen you're you're not alone it's it's everyone else. it's me i do this work every day and it's me too and what I what I like to say, I come from a rugby background. I'm, I'm a you know rugby player and referee, and so I, every once in a while I open my mouth, and my college rugby coach falls out, or my or my older brother or sister falls out, or my my teammate falls out of my mouth because you just this is where we learn this stuff. We learned it growing up, and we we didn't necessarily know what it meant. And it's also why we like to say sports not homophobic, but unfortunately we all learned how to you know smack talk each other in a homophobic way in many cases. And so again, when you and again, that's not the only solution here. We have we have other work to do too. But if we can work on the language as a first step, and then we give some visibility and some special invites in the second step, like you know, there's some amazing gay hockey programs around the country, including up in you know Pacific Northwest. There's a bunch of great teams. But you know, gay gay hockey is wonderful. But how about hockey being inclusive? Any team, not just go play for the gay team. We want you to be playing for any team and feel comfortable sitting in that team. And so I think that's where we, you know, that's, again, the, the work as we look across what sport can do and, the, and the, again, the positive benefits sport can make. Yes, sport can change the world from a political standpoint when we look at the, the big issues. But really where sport benefits us is kid shows up on a, on a Tuesday to a practice 
has maybe some words that they use at home with their family or with their friends, and they never really thought them through, coach is the first person who said, hey, not that language, not on my ice. That makes that kid think for you know two seconds and say, oh, okay, I've never thought about not using that. Coach told me no. I don't even need a reason. Coach just told me not to use it. There it is, and I'm moving forward. All of a sudden, that's a very small chunk fixed, and you multiply that across all the sport, and all of a sudden, the positive impact starts to happen across society. So it's about it's about the positive impact sport can make, both at the macro and at the micro, and I think that's where the work has to happen on both ends. So for us, our coach education, our player education at the youth leagues is vital, but it's also vital, like the winter hawk visuals, that you're going to see those guys in those jerseys, and that's the top end meeting the bottom end of the middle. So I I know, you know, big broad strokes, over time, you hope it has the, the kind of impact you're looking for. When you're dealing with people who are a little more um, set in their ways on, on these opinions or who are pushing back for things that they believe are connected to, you know, religious beliefs or background, that kind of stuff. How do you deal with that? Um, you know, knowing that it's coming from a very ingrained place, an emotional place, a passionate place, and find some common ground and and get you know get things closer where we want it to be. Yeah, the the religious thing is an interesting one because it's almost used as a I don't want to be questioned about what I'm about to tell you, so I'm going to use religion as the as the item to to bring up. I mean it. You know, there, there's all kinds of readings of religion in different ways. None of them say that we shouldn't allow LGBTQ plus people in hockey. So I think that's it's an interesting approach to bring religion into what it is, especially when people say, I don't want politics in my sport, but I'll very happily bring religion into my sport. So it's a very interesting uh, step to take when when we're trying to then keep sport pure. But certainly, I think that the our approach from an organizational standpoint is – we work with what is straight people in sport, and we try to make them straight allies. That's what our that's what our organization does. I know we're seen as an LGBTQ plus organization, and we absolutely advocate for the community. But we work mostly with with you know the ninety percent of sport, which is that huge amount of straight people that we're trying to make them straight allies. And I think when you talk to those people, we're not asking you to run down the street with a rainbow flag in a parade. It's about simply thinking through what you're saying another half step. Have you used some language that you could probably clean up? Is there a way I could specifically invite somebody to the table so that you feel welcome here? While I'm sitting in the stands and I see somebody looking confused, do I lean over and say, hey, listen, I didn't understand the blue line in the beginning either. How about I help you out here? It's that kind of stuff that we're asking people to do. It's not about you coming out on a date with me. It's not about me, you approving of a lifestyle or a world or a, a thought or a belief system. It's about do we want hockey to be the best it will be? And honestly, that means every seat is sold in every arena where hockey's played. And I think that for us is where we want, we want the community engaged. I'll give you a stat that is really the core of why we do this. 25% of kids that are part of the LGBTQ plus community participate in sports versus about 68, 69% of straight kids. And so that stat shows you to where the, first of all, the opportunity is to be able to grow into that demographic of individuals and, and bring them into hockey and say, we are the sport for you. Maybe not every sport, but we are the sport for you. And I think as well, then, that shows you you know, the detriment to we all remember what hockey gave us and what sport gave us, teamwork, belonging, love, identity, friendships, and that is vitally important for positive mental health outcomes. And for a community who needs those outcomes maybe more than most, it's really vital that we do this work. 
but certainly, I mean, listen, you're, we're going to have we're going to have religious things brought up, political things. We're going to have. I just don't believe in it. Whatever it is, there's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff brought to bear. But what it comes down to is, I guess you know, I, I don't understand how that means I'm going to be successful or not successful in hockey. You're going to have to explain that to me as to how that's going to impact it. Um, I'm here. I'm sitting next to you. I'm not fake or you know going to go away. So uh, at some point, we all live on the planet together, and I don't I don't judge them for their religious beliefs, and they're not they shouldn't judge the community for um, the way they're living their lives. I mean, at, at least in, in in this country, we used to use scripture to justify you know slavery, you know, and be, mm-hmm. before the Civil War. So I mean, you can, you know, I feel like there's you know probably similar undercurrents there as far as you know you find the well, it's like a buffet. I mean, you find the parts that you like, and then you get rid of the rest of it, and just kind of you know, which oh, hundred percent, an unfortunate thing. But you you do bring up a a good point, Kurt, that I wanted to get to as far as you know being allies you know i mean i i you know my sean and myself are both you know allies i don't i don't know what your orientation is it's not important you know to this conversation but you know the you know you 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 mentioned you know the gay hockey team versus a hockey team that is accepting and you know they're they're very different things i mean again this you know roughly 10 percent of the population that identifies you know they're not going to be able to move the needle themselves in, in in any in any way, shape, or form. It it does. It's going to take the ninety percent of us that, you know that that don't identify as 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 LGBTQ. And so, you know, by having allies, that's you know the only way that these people are going to feel comfortable to 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 be who they are. And and, and in this case, you know, come to a hockey game with us. A hundred percent. And I um. So I'll preface this with I do not mean to relate our community with the disabled community in, in this way, but certainly when you look at a wheelchair ramp, if you if somebody need, is in a wheelchair and wants to work in a building and there's no wheelchair ramp, they're not even going to apply for the job. And so when you think about how we go out to communities and bring them into sport, we got to build the ramp first if we expect them to come in and, and be part of our organization. And again, when it comes down to it, we all love wheelchair ramps. Every single one of us uses them, but they're really important for a key demographic of our society that we want to make sure are included. And so when you think about how does that translate to hockey, what are we going to do to reach out to minority communities, to minority ethnic communities, racial communities, religious communities? You know, there's a whole lot of new religions moving to Canada and the U.S. that, you know, that we're expanding every single day. And are we reaching out to those communities as well as LGBTQ plus community and, and others. So I think there's, there's no one I don't want in hockey. And so I, there's, you know, how do I look at this and say, let's, let's make a couple steps to make sure that we are prepared to accept new people in the door because they absolutely won't come if we're not prepared. But if we go ahead and prepare ourselves and act as if we can be ready to accept these new communities into hockey and be ready to put them on the ice and in stands to watch the game. And I think that's, what's exciting for me to, you know, as we do this work is, Every single day we see a, a new community light up and say, wow, this sport's actually really cool. We sit down and watch it. Like, yeah, we've been telling you this. And so we can get past maybe some of the apprehension. Um, and you get into the stands and you sit next to somebody who's willing to share the, the rules with you. It's just the best experience. So I, I think this is where we our work centers around. Let's get the work done before you even have an issue. That way we never have that issue. When someone comes to hockey, they don't have to worry about that issue. Is there a balance? You know, you hear these days. You know, some some of the uh, the response is, "Oh, it's it's 
in my face or or when he pushed down my throat, you know, very odd where use of language. <laughs> yeah, but yep. but w- when you're dealing with that, um, you know, and then you'll hear someone say, you know, uh, the the events and the the promotion and that kind of stuff is, has a you know counter reaction. Is there a balance to be found somewhere of saying, hey, we want to keep doing this, but would not necessarily be confrontational or is it important to confront it or you know what I mean? Like, how do you feel? Do you find a middle ground with that? Is that a constantly evolving uh, thing for you as you try to deal with, you know, the, the pushback that you get? I, well, I absolutely hear that all the time. And I think that's one of the first things that said, is, well, God, you know, you don't have to shove it in my face. And I, and I think uh, it's so interesting of a comment to make in that if you think a social post is shoving something in your face, yes. you're going to hate a lot of things very quickly because all social posts are doing is trying to then get more information out about their thing. So I think the shoving in your face is an interesting one. At no point in history has somebody from the LGBTQ plus community walked up to your front door, knocked on it and said, can I convert you? And I, I think I'm, I'm, it's such an interesting thing to say we're shoving something in your face by simply recognizing a community and welcoming them into a game and i guess again i if that's the way that you feel that's fine i can show you a hundred examples of what is greater than that shoved in your face every single day it is is tied laundry detergent shoved in your face or is it advertised to you as an option you can use i, I don't or, know or like, a kiss get, cam or, <laughs> a kiss, uh, kiss cam. yes kiss cam. great great example <laughs> great example so i think this is where it's such an interesting thing to say but what i what i will say is this the trans community is, is what is at the heightened uh, point of discussion right now trans individuals and trans athletes especially want to keep their head down and want to be members of society just left alone and we're the last people looking for a fight and so if you th- and the way i described this actually I, to my family the other day was they're not shoving something in your face when when talking about trans community or when talking about you know the drag queen story hour or things like this they had their front door broken down. People invaded their home and started punching them in the face. And the fact they're now punching back is not shoving something in your face. It's simply stepping up and defending themselves. So they, they did not want to become a political issue. They did not want to become a campaign issue. Or there's been over 600 pieces of legislation put through state governments in the states around the trans community. Like, what are you serious here? Like, do you think that they went out and said, you really should legislate against us? Or did that come from somewhere else and now they're defending themselves? And again, so I guess on my fervent side, absolutely it's not shoved in your face. It's simply stepping up for a group that is in need of defense right now in many cases. But on the other side of things, lots of things are shoved in our face by the way of advertising, advocacy, and otherwise. And I think, yes, it's being shoved in your face. And look at the look at beneath any post that any hockey team or other sport team has made around pride and just see why it's needed. I, I refer to the Avs. The Avs the other night had a Pride game. They posted they posted their Pride game stuff on social media. Just read the comments underneath and understand why this stuff is needed. Yeah, I'm a long-time Avalanche fan myself, and I was keeping, a, keeping an eye on that kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, in, in, in contrast, so the, the Winterhawks played Saturday night in Spokane, and it was military night. And they had military jerseys, and and that's cool. And they had, you know, so, some uh, some pomp and circumstance with that. And I closely monitored, you know, their socials. I, I looked at their, you know, their Twitter account mostly, and 
and I didn't see anyone anyone pushing back on you know anything political or you know the same types of the same types of arguments you know they again they had they had special you know one-off jerseys and you know I don't know if there's anything that's more political than the United States military and how it's deployed and you know there's a lot yeah. of a lot of actions that a lot of us don't necessarily agree with over you know many many years I mean you know we were in Vietnam for eight years I don't think anyone was really happy with that and so but at the same time we don't have the we don't push back on it because you know there's that we see you know you can see both sides of the coin and and it's not a you know i mean there's plenty of passages in scripture about you know not you know killing people and whatnot <laughs> sure you, you sure. know what i mean but at this it, it for, strangely enough it just didn't get that same pushback you know what i mean oh yeah and, and like hockey fights cancer is another one the nhl does and of course when we when we relate it to things like military appreciation night, people say, "Well, the military and the LGBTQ plus community are not the same thing at all." And I understand that that statement, but I guess what I would say is, there's lots of people who can go to a military appreciation night and say, "You know what? I don't like what they do, but I'm going to support the people who do it because I love that you have stepped forward and volunteered for our country." And again, I I don't I don't need you to sit with me, you know, at our next advocacy meeting. I simply want you to make it safe and welcoming for me to be at hockey. So I'm again. It, our ask is pretty small here, and so when we talk about, you know, you, you we mentioned ally and advocate. Really, it's about understanding that your voice, where you sit, can help somebody else be you know, be felt made, felt more welcome. And it's the exact same thing we all did when we had a new friend that came into our new school. We we let them sit with us at lunch, and so and and that small kindness probably made a huge difference in that person's life, and made a difference again in your life as well. So I think that's where that's the difference. And you don't have to uh, join the community. You don't have to show up to the parties. You don't have to walk in the parades. But simply, we can all do a whole lot of work um, to just make somebody feel welcome in those stands or on that ice to say, listen, you're, you're welcome here. You're part of the game. And that's really what we're asking people to think through. It's not about, uh, again, joining the community and joining our monthly meetings. It's, it's not like that at all. It's much more so around, can you understand that hockey has been a bit abrasive to this community for a long time? And other sports too, and we want to fix that, and we want to make it a welcoming place because, again, we want more hockey and more often. So with that, we need more bodies. And at some point, we top out with suburban, straight white kids, frankly. And so when we do that, we need to look for other demographics to bring into a game. And that is, this is a, a wonderful right demographic that could love hockey if we engage correctly. And I think we're finding that. Women took to hockey and are, are thriving and killing it. And inner city athletes taking to hockey and just communities we didn't think were hockey players. And we realized, well, actually, yes, they are when properly welcomed in. And unfortunately, the reality is sometimes it takes somebody who isn't in that community or that group or whatever the case may be, um, stepping up and being supportive to get others who also aren't to take notice and sort of realize that maybe they have approached this subject the wrong way, or maybe they should be more welcoming, you know? Um, because for the longest time, if you advocate for something, people assume it's because you are involved in that or you are that. For example, like I, I joined our local pride committee, then there's a certain segment of people that assume that must mean you're gay, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when you aren't and you step up and you support that community, then there's more people. I just think it has 
a different kind of impact with some people who may not have thought that way. You know, you look at Travis Dermott, right? When you have someone who steps up and and puts themselves on the line in some way to support a community without it being because it's specifically relating to themselves, um, sometimes that can hit a different note with people who weren't as likely to listen. I love the idea. You bring up such a great example. And, and, and for those listening at home, Travis put some pride tape on a stick when basically it was told by the NHL they weren't allowed to do so. But this is a great example. And I think the, you know, we, we can be honest with each other. If, if that athlete's not at my level, I'm not going to necessarily listen as much. Or if that person never played hockey, why would I listen to you about hockey? We all kind of have that. And hockey's a bit of a niche sport. It's a, you got to be a little tough to play it. You got, it's, it's wonderful in that way. But listen, I think that's why we do pretty well in this space versus maybe some raw advocacy organizations that don't work in sport as much because we are sport. We usually send a hockey player in to talk to people. It's a lot of times a straight hockey player that's going to go in and talk about this to say, listen, we can do better here. And I think, again, you, you bring up a good point, which is our voice is so important to that person you invite to sit at your table for lunch in, in whatever way figurative that is in your life. That makes the biggest difference because you have the level of influence within your sphere. And so when you make that that statement, it's huge. I always tell people the hardest place to make change is the group chat with your boys or with your girls. That's the hardest place because it's your friend group and you're busting on each other and you're chirping on there and it's it's a lot of fun. And you know what? If somebody makes a comment in there, do you come back and be like, hey, come on? Well, no, a lot of times. We, we're like, well, it's our buddies. I, I wouldn't want to be made to feel stupid. Or are they going to think I'm gay? And I think that's one of those places where I always say, if you can find your footing in that kind of situation, you can do it anywhere. And that's, that's a great example of one to where, again, if we're, if we're in, if we're in hockey, we can make the change within hockey a lot easier than somebody out from the outside coming and knocking on the door and say, Hey, everyone, let's do better. And I, and again, coming from rugby, if you don't show up and you've not played the game, you don't get listened to as a coach. You don't get listened to as an administrator and same thing as an advocate. It goes a lot more, a lot further when it's somebody that has a like voice that has, been on the field or in the court or in the pool with me that that's going to be saying those things and saying, Hey, listen, we can do better. You know, you, you mentioned Travis Dermott and that was a, a big deal as far as, you know, breaking the, the, the literal ban on, on, on the pride tape. And he had a lot on the line as, you know, not a household name, not the most established guy in that league. I mean, how, how valuable is it to the movement that, you have guys like Connor McDavid, you know, using the using the pride tape and, and and being on record as as being an ally and being supportive of the community. I mean, you mentioned, you know, when you guys started this this project years ago, that you would have, you know, killed to have, you know, anybody of, of any stature step up. I mean, what's it like having, you know, are you'll be the the best player in the world, you know, on your side? Oh, a hundred hundred percent. And it's it it's miles of of credit that I give these guys. I, I cannot give them enough credit to say, listen, they understand how how their voice can be influential and they utilize it. That's not an easy thing for anyone, um, especially at their level with the following they have and the, and the scrutiny they get every day. Um, but I think they also, they get it really well, which is we, we benefit from strong fan bases that follow us, that love us, that are, that are diehards, that will buy the jerseys, Buy the food and bev in the in arenas. You know, go to the away games as well as the home ones. Watch us on TV. And I think again, that's where, when you're looking for diehard fans, this is a community that is that is ripe to be 
part of hockey. So I think that's it's they understand that and they're willing to reach out and utilize that voice. I think as well, a lot of these players have what is the rest of the population has, be it a brother, an uncle, a sister, an aunt, a parent, a, a child that is part of the community. And they understand that, again, all humans on the planet just trying to get by. It's hard enough with normal life that we all have to deal with. And I'm going to do my part to make sure that they feel welcome next to me in the thing I love, which is for them hockey. And the rest of us, it could be our, our workplace. It could be our, you know, evening shinny league. It could be our, you know, local basketball league. Whatever we do, we all have a place to play here. And our voice may not reach as far as, you know, McDermott's or, or some of these guys, but certainly we have the exact same place in this conversation to say, hang on, let's make sure somebody's welcome here. Or, you know what, we can get rid of that word or that phraseology, or we can, you know, think this through a little bit better. And I think that's that's all we ask people to do in this work is think this through. And you can see some really big examples of that. And I'm telling you, generations of kids are watching this happen and say, oh, maybe hockey is for me. Specific to junior hockey, I mean, uh, I think even in light of what's happened um, with pro sports, it feels like junior hockey has continued to be strong in the places where it was and continued to, to grow in their support. You know, Portland's been a great example of it. And a kind of community, I think, you know, a, a market that would be more likely to be uh, very welcoming. But how have you seen the reaction continue in, in junior hockey among the teams, the players, the supporters, et cetera? It's, well, listen, I, I think it's varied everywhere. So you, you've got leagues, and, and junior hockey is a great example. You've got teams that, that do everything and, and are, are at the top of the heap, and you have teams who, you know, maybe do nothing at all uh, and and don't celebrate Pride Night in any way. Um, or if they do it, it's kind of what I'd say Pride in name only kind of, kind of approach to it. So I think this, the variation is expected. I think I don't fault the athletes or even the front office of the clubs. Sometimes I know there's, you know, there's three people and an intern running some of these clubs that – that are absolutely doing an amazing job with what they have. So we, we don't fault anybody for what it is. I think what we try to do is lay out a path that they can always do more or a way they can do it. We try That's where our organization comes in. We try to support them. Um, I'll, I'll give an example. Kitchener Rangers is a good example of a team that, you know, we've worked with for a couple of years and they have a, they're a really good program put together and they thought this through as to how it actually permeates through the business side of, of their team, as well as, you know, we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing on advocacy. But what, what we like to say is inclusion is business. This, this, is, this is, has as much a business case as it does a heart and soul case. I wish people did it only for the right reasons and for, you know, because it was the right thing to do. But absolutely, there's a business case to make here, which is, again, future of hockey. The younger generations currently hover around about 20 to 25% identify with the 2SLGBTQ plus community. Does that mean that 25% of our, of our youth are gay? No. They identify with the community of some sort. And again, we expand the alphabet every day as to including individuals and including groups into the organization. I think what you see is it's about love. It's about acceptance. It's about, frankly, fun. It's about, you know, living your life the way that you want to live it. That's very attractive to lots of people. So when you look forward into the future of, you know, if I'm a junior hockey program and I'm like, I, first of all, I want to get kids on the ice. And I also want to uh, fill stands. 25% of my future customer base is part of this identity and part of this community. That's something I can't ignore. And so I think it's it's a it's a business case, it's a business thought, as much as it is the heart and soul side, to look at this and say, 
what are we going to do to cater to and to bring in a customer base that is ever changing? And again, I think a, a pretty strong demographic to go after that could be great within hockey and other sports. And so I think it's, it's a, um, if they've not thought about it yet, and if clubs aren't going as far as the, you know, the winter Hawks go on, on their pride night and their advocacy, I think they will soon uh, because it's a, it's a growing side of a business model. When frankly, the other side that has the crazy comments online are a aging and dying of population and shrinking population of those in younger demographics. And so you can stick with those who are going to ban Bud Light or you can stick with those who are growing into Bud Light. And so I, I, I know the future of business and how they're looking at it. Well, and you, you know, you mentioned Bud Light and that was, a, you know, it's, it's a, not, not my flavor, but, uh, you know, I respect the right to exist. You know, it's, it's a, but that's the thing, right? So Bud Light is not, it, they're not immoral, they're amoral. They're, they're a for-profit organization. They, they are making money for Anheuser-Busch and InBev. That's what they do. And they have made, same with Nike, same with any number of things, Starbucks, you know, they're soulless beasts. They, you know, they, they you know, don't have a conscience by definition. But they have decided that by reaching out and being inclusive, there is more money to be made than, you know, go in the other direction. You know, than, than Chick-fil-A, for example, although they don't do that anymore. But they, they, they mm-hmm. dropped that stuff. But, um, And so, you know, I say that as that's the the way the tide is turning we're we, we're winning and inclusion is going to win you know and and use you know these these for-profit you know corporations as an example of of they know that there is you know more more of us than there is of them as far as you know being being inclusive and being an ally than you know than 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 being a bigot and being prejudiced that that that's that that's the direction they're going so it's you know it's definitely a barometer of of what's to come and you know is if 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 there's a scoreboard you know the 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 right people are winning that's perfectly said and i think it's it's there are really smart people at those companies who are looking 10 and 20 years down the road and and they know what's coming and they're moving to it and i think i always relate this to you know, you can you can believe in or deny global warming and climate change, but every airport in the world is extending their runways because in hotter weather, planes need a longer runway to take off. So you can you can be on whatever side you want, but the, where it matters, they're already planning for this. And so it's it's one of those crazy things to where listen, we I wish it went smoother. I wish it would have happened thirty years ago. But we're still we still need to do the fight every day. We still need to take those steps. But absolutely. We're on the way, and I think those who are in decision-making capacities at companies like that, and then again in sports franchises, in leagues, and even as you get down into community local sport, um, understand that sport is meant to be for everyone at its nature. It brings people together who are of differing backgrounds and demographics and makes them do magical things on the field of play, on the ice, in the pool, on the courts. Like That is what sport is about. And I think when it, when you drill into that, at what point is that leaving certain people out or not inviting them in? And I, it, it doesn't make any sense if you really believe in sport as to what it's meant to be. Um, if, if you believe that sport is, is your thing that you should own and you get to govern who is in it, you and I don't have the same definition of what sport is. Well, and, you, and, and again, we talk about growing the game, and that's, 
you know, it's a constant theme in, in this conversation and, and, and many, many conversations like it. And, you know, the this Portland team, I mean, this is a league, you know, where if you have 5,000 people, you feel pretty good about it. And this is a 10,000-seat building. I mean, you have a, a almost infinite amount of room inside your building to put butts in seats. And so, you know, that's that would be, you know, I... I, I Sometimes I think about if you're, you know, in that marketing office or in that ticket office and, and you have that, you know, uh, that, that capacity, it has to be, you know, pretty exciting to, to, to find new ways and different ways to, to try to bring people in. And then you always you know, have turnover anyway, so you, you have to replace, you know, folks that, you know, you know lose interest or, or move or whatever. And so, you know, and... and and then you know, as a you know, we just saw World Juniors, and 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 the U.S. doesn't win gold every year. How do we get you know more kids playing the game so we can continue to win gold every year as the best hockey country in the, on on the planet? And so it's you know, you, yeah, you, more people playing, more people watching. I mean, it's kind of the. Is there, is there a way for me to mute you from here? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. I think that's it's the it is the future of the game, and you could look at it in whatever way you'd like to. But I think um, you know it's very difficult to argue that racial diversity in our sport in our current sport model did not bring a more vibrant and interesting game to almost every sport there is and so i, I think it's it's a it's an interesting thing to see where well listen where else can we take this thing we call sport and it's going to be rule changes it's going to be innovating innovation in the game the way it's played it's going to be you know frankly it was cross ice for the minis a, a few years back and people lost their minds about that because it's not hockey and where you know kids will never learn how to play the game and all of a sudden Youth hockey expanded because more kids were be more successful. You know, we, we have to innovate in sport, and I think it's got to be on the ice, in our rules, in the way that we market the game, in the way that we look in the future. And I'm, I'm excited that sports are even looking at it this way. But to your point, we got an extra 5,000 seats to sell every week. I, I know a demographic that has some disposable income, likes to party, likes to come out and support the teams in the things they love, you know, but needs an invitation and to know that you have their back when the going gets tough. And I think that's, again, that's where this, this work is so important is, you know, when state law comes up, are you actually going to say something about it or are we going to stay silent? Well, your, your ticket buyers go away pretty quickly when, you're, when they're not defended. And so I think that's where, you know, it's, it's the advocacy and allyship um, works both ways. And so supporters, supporters stay loyal when there's loyalty to have. Well, and you frame the business case on a number of occasions here. And, and let's be real. Where is the greatest opportunity for, for growth in, in hockey business-wise? It's in large urban centers, um, especially in the United States. Yeah. And where do you see the majority of people who are part of the LGBTQI plus community? Large urban centers, right? So that's got to be one of the biggest segments of population in the areas where they have the biggest opportunity for growth. It's just pretty simple math, I, I would think. Absolutely. And, and I think and that's exactly the sales pitch that we make. And again, I wish talking to some ownership groups of, of clubs, big and small, you know, pro and, and amateur, they get it. They're like, no, 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 we're doing this for the right reasons, no matter what the bottom line shows us. But I'm also happy to talk to those groups who are like, no, nah, pro prove to me this makes sense. OK, I, I get it. You need to you need to protect your own bottom line. You want to make sure this is going to make sense to you. So it's we we have to do better as a business case from our advocacy as well. But I think when we do make that business case and we show it, um, you know, a like-to-like -like game, pride game versus, versus a normal game, 
Um, how are we doing on, on ticket sales, on, you know, the food and bev, on merch, whatever else it might be. Um, I think we can show a tick up of things, and that's, that's one of the things that can be shown there. But again, I think that only comes with authentic connection from a team, and that could be, again, I've just sent a couple of players out to a local drop-in center, mental health drop-in center here in Denver. Like, huge amount, and, and the kids went nuts, and just the benefit that I've had, and that they're helping that organization raise money. So that's where we're going to make some authentic connection back the other way. It can't just be a one-way traffic. Teams can't just say, hey, listen, we pull the pride lever and we get some of the money from the community. That's not what the, that's not how this goes. It's about we actually bring an authentic connection to a community and bring you into hockey in a real way that you feel like you have a home here. And, of course, we want to be that team that you advocate for in that home. So that's it's a very different approach to it. And I think that's where, you know, fans are getting more fickle. I think you mentioned it. Fan turnover is at an all-time high. Fans are getting more fickle. They need an experience. They need a value statement outside of just what happens on the field or on the ice. Kurt, did were, did you follow last year about uh, about this time? I can't remember what when it, exactly it was, but the the Seattle Thunderbirds and 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 their Pride Night and 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 how that story kind of unfolded. I uh, I don't think so. Um, I, my team my team that works with hockey might have been a little bit closer to it than I was, but um, no, I, I'm I'm not familiar. So. Um, I kind of I use the 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 weight whatever weight we have of of our sister podcast WHL Unfiltered, and they didn't they didn't have a Pride Night on the schedule for the the Thunderbirds. And honestly, the the uh, some Seattle fans saw how we did it here in Portland and the jerseys and the and the the, the pomp and circumstance, and decided that they wanted in, even though there wasn't one scheduled, and they just did their own DIY style renegade style oh i love it and so it was it, it turned out pretty cool and you know they you know we had um uh brock mcgillis on the show and help you know pu- to to push it to try to set it up kind of like what we're doing now and yeah. similar conversation and the team actually made up graphics and it, it luke prokop was in that game and they had the pride tape and they made graphics they put on the jumbotron and the the fans essentially forced the hand of the team and 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 they set up and, and did it and went along with it and it was you know it was pretty pretty powerful i mean to be able to 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 influence you know their the seattle fans influence their their favorite hockey club and, and and to push them in the correct direction and then have the you know the 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 powerful image of 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 Prokop being on that team and 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 having the 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 the, the tape on his stick and and it was it turned out to be to, to a really cool moment you know as much as you know portland fans don't really want you know seattle to to, to do well on the ice i mean they they probably want them to be able to, to enjoy a moment like that so it was a it was, it was a pretty cool and i guess we i don't know if we'd really done a follow-up on on one of these shows you know afterwards but we we definitely you know tried to help set it up ahead of time no, no and i'll tell you what the team is doing what they're calling their first ever pride night game on february 14th so the i mean this is where the, the community influenced the Thunderbirds to do exactly that. And I, I mean, again, I think this is where we, we do a lot with soccer uh, in the, in the sport of soccer, but with the soccer fan groups. And so the soccer fan group, basically every soccer club in the world has a fan group that kind of follows them. They beat the drums in the stadium and they're, they're great groups to work with. But a lot of the soccer clubs have started their pride nights from the fan group starting it. And then it seeped into the team and they realized, Oh, this is actually kind of cool. We want to do something with this. 
and it comes from a fan, fan initiatives. And again, how do I use my voice? It could be that I make my local sand volleyball Tuesday night beer league more inclusive, or I can then work with the team I love or at my office or otherwise. We all have that spot to, to sort of insert ourselves and our voice into the process. And I, I love the, I mean, that, that's, that's an awesome story about the Thunderbird community coming around this. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't know that I'll actually make it to the games. I'm going to try to make it up there to the game for the Thunderbirds game this year. But absolutely, I cannot wait to see what it looks like. And credit to those those people. And I, again, Seattle Pride Hockey is, is, I don't know if you are familiar with that organization. Like they are just, they're amazing. Um, they're one of the, the best in the in the world that do what they do. So um, credit to them. I'm sure they had a whole lot of voice around that. Well, now. Go ahead, Sean. I was just going to say, you know, we, we've talked a lot, but for those who are hearing this, what are different ways that somebody who wants to be supportive of these types of initiatives or what you do as an organization, you know, big and small, what are some ways that they can do that? Yeah, I, I, what I, in some of our training, we do parent training. And one of the things I say is when you're sitting in the stands at the, at the long day of hockey that I know parents do, and you hear the banter in the stands and someone says something, are you going to, are you going to make a comment? If it's not your kid, if it is your kid, you absolutely would make a comment. You're going to step up and maybe it's gloves off at the time. But if it's not your kid, do you say something? And that's really where it comes down to. It's that small stuff where, you know, hey, again, your Tuesday night sand volleyball league and someone throws, you know, some homophobic stuff across the net. Do you do you say, hey, just not here, no more. Or do you just be like, haha, yeah, as many of us do, which is the uncomfortable laugh and move on because they don't want to fight this battle. That kind of stuff, the small stuff done consistently over time, makes so much of a bigger impact than the big banner stuff like a pride parade. Those are important. We've got to, you know, we've got to get the visibility out there. But truly, it's the everyday stuff. Do you have a, have you added your pronouns on your social media profile? Do you have a small pin that you put on your, on your hockey bag or your, your, ch- your jacket or your lanyard you have your keys on that can show an inclusive, you know, uh, communication out to somebody? Do you, do you make the small comments in your group chats? Do you say, hey, listen, pick a different word or, hey, not appropriate. Just having some of that stuff in your back pocket ready to say it. When you see something happening, do you, do you step in the middle of it? And I think all of that kind of stuff is wildly more impactful than any parade ever will be because it's the everyday stuff in every town, America, every town, Canada. And that's, that's the stuff that, you know, what we teach coaches. It's not, coach, it's not about your one pride game per season. It's about the small stuff every day. And when you, when you built an environment to where a kid feels comfortable to come and talk to you, you are doing a heck of a job. When your attention rate goes up, you're doing a heck of a job because kids want to stick around you. And so that's one of those things where, again, we, the, the, the impact and the change is in the 1% better every day. It's not in huge 20 and 50% jumps. So that's where we say, and, and honestly, what we teach is, you know, pride tape is a great example. Wrap something you got in pride tape and then just keep it in your bag or keep it in your coaching kit year round or keep it, you know, as a parent, throw a roll of pride tape in your, in your, minivan driving the kids to hockey or if you play a sport throw you know throw a throw a bit of pride tape out there and all of a sudden you have something that's always there that people kind of see oh very cool and most people walk by it to say oh just rainbow tape it means nothing to me but the people who are looking for it it is an island in the storm it is a place that says oh this is my sport i am welcome here and that makes all the difference so that's the small stuff i'd say in your life and i'm happy to give you know, please feel free. Anybody reach out to to me or our staff to talk about this because we 
we empower people all the time with this small stuff because I'm not, not trying to change the way you live your life completely. It's more so this very small stuff that makes a huge impact that maybe you'll never see or never hear about. But please know that it does make that impact. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff and pretty valuable conversation. At least I, at least I hope that uh, listeners find it find it valuable. We've we've had you for for some time now, Kurt. Um, do you have any <laughs> any? I'm a rambler. I'm sorry about that, guys. <laughs> that's that's what these shows are supposed to be. And the more you and the less of me, the better the show is going to be as well. But um, do you have any kind of final thoughts as we uh, you know tie a bow on the this episode? Well, listen. I, I think first of all, get I mean, get out to the arena. We want the Winterhawks to be cheered on to victory. You know, um, I, I believe in them. I believe they got Kelowna this time around. So uh, I, I hope it goes it goes well. I know the community, the community of hockey, listening to your to your podcast. Whatever you can do, your voice is the important part. And however you find a way to use that to make life just as a fraction easier for the person sitting next to you is is again, it's wildly valuable. And right now, I'm asking you to levy upon hockey and levy upon sport. And I think that's where. Again, whatever you want to chat ideas, I'm here for it. But I just appreciate you guys taking this much time to kind of focus on this stuff because it's it's not always the most sexy content. So um, it's really, really great to be able to talk to you and share this with your listeners. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time, Kurt, and appreciate the, the work you guys do over there at the, at the You Can Play Project. Thank you. Thank you very much.